You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the entire crew uh, here with you on this uh, Wednesday as we're podcasting the post-emergency podcast podcast. We didn't have a post-emergency uh, podcast, emergency podcast. Uh, I know that some people probably weren't joking. Uh, I, this was the first time that I ever remember seeing us doing an emergency podcast where people bitched that we shouldn't have done an emergency podcast. Uh, I think just because they hate Caleb Williams right now so much. So uh, a lot <laughs> they, of... They didn't benefit from any of it, right? A lot. Yeah. I mean, if it's about negative, then we can't do an emergency podcast, but if it's a positive emergency podcast it's fine I, I, we got to figure <laughs> out the rules of this thing uh but no it's become like a running joke like anytime anything happens we were like emergency pod emergency pod uh so we did do one we are mindful uh and uh then dylan gabriel uh ended up since we've last talked to you dylan gabriel uh has committed to oklahoma and we were you know and, and let's kind of go back here um Yo, as we stand right now, guys, I mean, uh, Caleb Williams apparently still out there shopping around. I think Pete Thamel has talked to Carl Williams more times than anyone in the history of college football in the last week. Uh, has still talked not to in the portal either. Still not in the portal, which I don't understand Correct. how you're talking to other teams. Like, technically, aren't you making yourself ineligible if you're not in the portal? And you're discuss- I guess if his dad and his agent are talking to people and he's not directly... Um, who knows? I mean, that's we're all talking about somebody. And, I mean, there's some other weird things too about the portal, but uh, so that is going on. Dylan Gabriel, the former UCF quarterback uh, under Jeff Lebby, who had transferred to, had committed to transfer to UCLA, uh, says, "Nope, I'm not going there." We were all trying to figure out the semantics of that because classes were starting out at UCLA, a new semester was starting. Uh, and how could he transfer? And some people were trying to say, well, he's he's already enrolled, so he can't. And then, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, like, well, remember the Bradford kid that practiced at Oklahoma and went back to LSU? Like, um, I guess that's going back to the school where you came from, though. So, my, anyway, all kinds of crazy shit well, That was all during the summer, stuff. though, wasn't it? There wasn't any yeah. classes to be attended. But, I mean, right. he was at practices. But, yeah, you're right. There were no classes up to that point. Well, I think, I don't know. I can't, I don't want to remember that timeline, to be honest with you. Uh, So, all that being said, here we are. Um, Mario Williams is now in the portal. For real, too. For real in the portal. Uh, It just announced it first, and now he's actually in there. 
Uh, as we said, Caleb Williams not in the portal. Bray Walker is in the portal, but he shouldn't be in the portal. Um, <laughs> are we caught up on the portal? I, I do have a little bit of light to shed. Uh, I can't shed a little light on like the process of the portal. I was told that like when you file the paperwork, the the program that you're with has 48 hours to put your name in the portal or it's a violation. Hmm. So I guess technically he could have, like Caleb could have filed the paperwork on Monday and OU would have until I guess the end of the business day today to, to approve it and put it in. Yeah, that is all it's compliance. Just- and they do that for a reason because they don't, the NCAA decided to not include the you know football program in this stuff, so they don't even have to. And that was a problem at first. Like, um, God, who is it? Um, the guy that's already Tatum. transferred Tatum. Yeah, Ron Ron Tatum. Ron Tatum. Uh, yep. Like he just he just he he Michael Scotted himself. He was like, I'm portaled. <laughs> I declare portal. Uh, and. He didn't realize that there was a process he had to go through. But you don't even have to talk to the coaches. You just have to go to the compliance office and say, I want to transfer and put my name in the portal. And OU's never like been vin- like vindictive and not done it. So I just think, I, I don't know that if we the know, Williamses yeah. have, have yeah, actually like, turned it in yet. Yeah, I, I think that it, it, it would be a violation. Like, I think when a, a, a player asks to be put into the portal, you have to put them in. That's why that 48-hour window is there. Well, and there's been a lot of stuff, um, you know, as far as the Caleb Williams stuff and, and, you know, what they're doing. You know, we know that they have talked to OU, at least, you know, uh, the representatives for Caleb I know that Caleb Williams said, uh, from what I can gather – like OU's administration met with at least his agent and probably his father. Yeah, definitely his father. I don't know if Caleb was involved, but I I just kind of got the overall sense that the meeting was not positive. And then all of a sudden Dylan Gabriel is a, not just announcing that he's transferring, but there's an orchestrated um social media clearly orchestrated social media uh, event where former players are welcoming Dylan Gabriel to Oklahoma with open arms as almost a middle finger to Caleb Williams, it felt like to me. Oh, I mean, it absolutely yeah. was. I, I, You know, I, I found that to be just fascinating, the way that that went down, the moment that, you know, we recorded the, uh, from the moment that we recorded the emergency podcast, guys, I think that it was kind of fascinating how all that played out. Cause while we were recording the podcast, like I'm being told like this Dylan Gabriel thing, isn't only going to happen. It's going to happen by the end of tonight. And, and it did. And it did. And like, and, and by the way, like when we talk about, and I, we, we I kind of talked about this this morning. Cause I really don't know. I don't know if you guys know, like I know that it was a zoom meeting with, Caleb Williams, Team Williams, if you will. Uh-huh. I just don't know, like what. That's not Joe C sitting down in in that meeting. Like, I guess who is in that meeting? Like when when we say like OU has put together a, a good package for him, I truly don't know what that means to a certain extent. Well, there's is a that, there's a group there's a group uh, right. that had formed, um, and it's 
Oh, you know, I, I would say from what I know, it's a little bit like, you know, what Texas did, that collective thing that they had or whatever right. it was called. Mm-hmm. Very similar to that, where uh, they had certain a certain amount of people donate, uh, commit to, you know, putting so much in per year. Uh, but here's the other thing that is very confusing, like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, are right. they going out? Like, how organized is this? I just don't know. Like, uh, it, you know, it, what what does it do? What are that? Like, I don't know. Think anybody knows what the collective thing from from Austin does either? I mean, it's like right. it's so vague. It's like I don't. I think people are rushing to put together these. I don't know what you want to call them. I keep calling them super PACs. They're SPACs, like in business. Like I've read right. read something yeah, about. Much, yeah. Um, you know, it's basically where a company is, is formed with a blank check with the intentions of going out and acquiring other things like, but that's not really what this is. It's basically just, you're saying, okay, you have this pool of money, uh, you're dedicating it to coming up with ways to pay players for their name image likeness, but then you have to have a plan. Well, you're, you're finding a way to pay players for the name image likeness under a veil of the name image likeness you're basically trying to pay players like let's 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 well, no, i mean but no that's, that's what all on. of this is but i mean it's yeah, still sure. legal as long as you i mean the whole i don't know i don't know exactly how texas is going to do it with these offensive line but you're right it is turned into it's turned into basically a way to recruit players which it wasn't intended to do in the first place so whatever they told Caleb it, it it had to have something to do with we'll get you so and so you know much money advertising or we're committed to that or whatever we have to do and then you have businesses or whatever that okay uh you know Hudeberg goes out and does a car deal or um you know Midfirst Bank does something with you or uh I mean I, I'll tell you this I know that there was a company that was ready to do a six figure deal as a, a just an just to to represent their company commercials television commercials like he had a six figure deal in place ready to go last year well i mean this year during the season last year i guess um and then it just didn't happen but it, and i don't know why that was but it's just like those are the kinds of things like that that like and i get it like okay so how do you how do you promise someone something like that? It it is very odd and strange, and and that's it. Like we, Josh, feel free to jump in here. Um, but like we all heard, like Georgia, like Georgia's this team to watch out for. Uh, and from what I can tell, they did talk to Georgia, and that dollar figure that we heard, which was like two million or something, like USC's got three million, like. The Georgia offer was not two million. It was more than what OU's offer was. But from what I was told, the Williams company, whatever party, was like that they told Georgia that's not enough. And Georgia's like, well, okay then. We're done. It's interesting that like in the lead up there were these huge numbers getting thrown around. And then as it reality comes time, hit. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Whoa, oh, okay, may, may, maybe not." Like, you know, and you know, you don't know if if people change their minds, if they kind of thought about what you know, what precedent are we setting here for the rest of our roster? You right. know, there, there's a lot to go through, but it is interesting that almost everybody's number 
that you heard early on has at least been cut in half from what the initial thing was. And when you think of that against, you know, some of the stuff like we talked about on, what was that Monday, that, you know, the Williams, you know, I guess brain trust, whatever you want to call them, seems to want out of this. You know, I mean, is it worth going somewhere else and not getting those things or staying where you're known and where Caleb has relationships? And I I don't know, guys. Like, there's a part of me that feels worse about where this is going, and there's a part of me that's like, maybe I just got a chance here. Like, I, I can't make like, up my mind how I feel as, about it. Yeah, it's like maybe it's not as, you know, just wild, wild west as we thought. Yeah. Like, maybe there is a little bit of, like, fiscal responsibility behind all this because i i i'll tell you this i kind of heard that ou's number was you know their group was about half a million and i heard george's was about a million and neither one of those were you know i'm not saying that the williams laughed at ou but they weren't interested in either one of those numbers like and those are really Big ass number. Wild, yes, that's it, wild it, to say. It just kind of goes back to this deal that we've been talking about, and I, I think like, that what it's are we like, doing? Like, but who the f- does Caleb Williams think he is? He started seven games, and I think you I can think- say that, but also say I think he's going to be incredible. Like the talent is obviously he does things that other people can't do, but he's not going to sign a hundred and fifty million dollar contract with somebody. Yeah, these people yeah, need to I, wake the fuck up. I have, this I have is, a hard time knowing if this is Caleb with Carl serving as his mouthpiece, or if this is Carl acting independently of what Caleb actually wants. Some there's there's times I think you can get a gauge of what's really going on. In this situation, I can't I can't get a feel of whether or not Caleb is calling the shots and letting his dad take the public hit, or if his dad is really just. Over, like overreaching and going a little too far to try to make something good for his son. Guys, the thing I come back to on that is, okay, say it's half a million from OU, a million from Georgia, and you, you figure anybody else is pretty much going to be in that ballpark, you know, somewhere in between, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, whatever. With the money and talent, with the talent of Caleb Williams in the right system, for a family that doesn't need this money right now, I mean, we, we all know Caleb, you know, Carl Williams, they, they're a successful family. He, he's done well for himself, and that's, that's awesome. That's great. They, he doesn't, some kids that are in this situation, I don't know that they feel like they have a choice. I don't think Caleb's in that situation. I, I think he does have a choice. And to me, that's a drop in the bucket. That's what? 10% yeah. of what he's going to get for signing his name if he makes the right choice and you know ends up in the NFL draft like we all think he is absolutely capable of doing. So why would you base your decision on something that short term if it's not something you need or is directly related to you know like I mean obviously that's a lot of money. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying this isn't a family that's that can't, you know, that has to find a way to put food on the table or pay their mortgage or things like that. They're comfortable. They're clear. I mean, I, I, from, what, from what I understand, they're in Hawaii right now. They're doing okay. They're, they're fine. Well, so, and everything's gotten warped because, like, you've heard all these figures like this Quinn Ewers deal. What was his, like, his was, like, almost $2 million for, like, a, a memorabilia no, company like a, or something? I think it was a mill. I think it was a mill for mil- the, uh, the kombucha stuff. 
And I think people now, like, if anything, that I think that's mil, hurt Caleb. That was a mill over a year. I mean, over a career, though. Like, so you're still talking max 250? I mean, yeah. I, I, right. I, I, think, I think what we're figuring out is, like, no, but I think yours has a, he also had, like, a credit, or a, 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 a like, a, a memorabilia card company or something like that. That he signed a deal with, or maybe maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else. But anyway, basically, yeah, I mean, what we're talking about, and, and I think all of us said, well, if you could sign, like, of course we think like Bryce Young, he's worth a million dollars to Alabama. I mean, I think to for any big time football program, a five star quarterback, I I have no problem saying, yeah, that kid should probably make a million dollars a year just for doing what he does, but. That's the height of the market I think we're starting to find out. Like, that's the cap. Like, is it worth, like you're saying, Josh, putting yourself in a a worse position for a million dollars as a quarterback, knowing what's at stake if you're the number one overall pick in the draft? I, I mean, and you know, you're hearing this talk about UCLA, and it's coming from a guy like Brandon Huffman, who is well-connected on the West Coast. Like, that's... I don't think that's coming from thin air. And, you know, I know there's, you know, the the Pete Thamel thing about the Williams family chuckling about the rumors. Brandon Huffman's not just some joke, man. He he knows people out there. I've got a reason to, you know, I, I have to believe he has reason to think what he's reporting. And he's not it, putting it out there the, for clickbait. But exactly. don't, we all, don't we all think, like, to me, I know Texas has, if Texas didn't have Connor Ewers, I would think that they would be the school that would go in and just set the bar, be like, look, we we know our history at quarterback. We suck. This kid just beat our ass. Let's pay him $3 million. Like, yep. I could see, like, but that's the problem. You're going to end up at a school that is doing things out of desperation, not out of strength. Georgia doesn't have to pay, uh, you know, ridiculous market value for a quarterback. They've already got guys, they've already got five stars sitting on their bench. Like and I know it's not they probably don't have Caleb Williams sitting on their bench, but and look, we all think that Georgia has done as much underhanded stuff as anybody. But to know that like they have limits and that they're actually not just ridiculous, it's like it makes you feel a little bit like kind of you were saying, Josh, kind of makes you feel better about college football. I thought this was it, all it, about quarterback development, guys. I know I called that bluff early on. Yeah, you look at guys. Although I will say, is there anything more confusing than watching guys that I think are very well versed in quarterback play talk about schools that they think are quarterback developers? I'm like, where are you getting this from? Like, like Dan Orlovsky, David Pollux is insane. I don't know what planet he's living on. What yeah, did um, Orlovsky have Texas on his? Yeah, yep, Orlovsky yeah. had Texas. I think he had Georgia as well. Wow. Like, I don't know what we're talking about here. And I, I get that it's a really hard bar because there's a finite amount of good NFL quarterbacks. So there's only going to be so many schools that can say, hey, yeah, we've produced a guy. And you know what, the, I mean, Josh, a lot of NFL guys, as long as you're a school that puts your quarterback under center, like yeah. they're like, ah, they win. <laughs> they win. <laughs> They put him under center. They're not doing all this shotgun stuff. They actually make him get under there and take the snap. Like, that's developing a quarterback. I think, I seriously think NFL guys are so obsessed with being under center 
that they place so that, much like, value. Orzlowski's like that. Like maybe Mel Kiper, but nobody's listened to Mel Kiper for the last fifteen years. Well, like Orlovsky with with what clearly is his you know parameter is he not advising Caleb Williams to go play for Randy Edsel because Dan Orlovsky came from UConn? Like, is that not the the litmus test? Because it's not like he's listing off guys that are not good NFL quarterbacks like Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason. Like, what has Georgia done that makes you think, yeah, that's a place. I would want to send my highly talented quarterback. We made fun of it with the Brock Vandegrift situation, and it didn't make any sense, and it doesn't make any more now that they've started a walk-on who, you know, every time he faces comparable talent, just gets run over. It's Chip Kelly's best quarterback. Dennis Dixon? Uh, uh, Mariota, I guess. Mariota. Yeah, he had Mariota. Yeah. Sam Bradford yeah. and at the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> and, guys, I don't know. Had you heard that there were some concerns about Levy's offense and, you know, kind of like we've talked about it before, like putting Matt Corral in harm's way at times. And, you know, obviously he had the injury. And, you know, you wonder if that kind of only puts it in, in a brighter spotlight. But if that's your concern, you're going to talk to Chip Kelly? Like, yeah. do we know what that well, offense I does? I thought a lot of that, too, was just a byproduct of they had injuries at wide receiver with Old Miss this year, and it was almost a necessity more than it was this is what we actually want to do from an offensive standpoint. A hundred percent, because Dylan Gabriel is not some, you know, I know people think like they watch him and like, oh, he's a smaller guy. He must run around. And I mean, he can run, but it's not like, oh, he's dynamic. Like he's 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 Baker Mayfield. Like he can pick up a first down. But he's not going to overwhelm you with his open field running ability. He's not Kyler Murray or anything. He's a lot he's better. Caleb than, he's a lot better than Spencer Rattler, though. Well, I mean, you know, short of Landry Jones, <laughs> <laughs> that is. I mean, that's amazing that he ended up in the Landry Jones category. I mean, just amazing. Uh, is there any bigger indictment of? Uh, you know, not not the strength side of it, but like flexion and all the things that you would want to work on as an S and C coach. Then Spencer Rattler, he literally regressed athletically yeah. from year one to year two as a yep. starter. No, it How was shocking. It was shocking. I I I know it's an old topic. It it doesn't even matter anymore. I think but, one coach had a foot out the door, and the other side of it was a quarterback that probably didn't do enough. On, on his own. just uh, yeah. his own terms, you know, right. and I think we've rehashed that time and time again. Yeah. But it's just the flat out truth. Like I, I think that you know a change of scenery for Spencer Rattler. I'm super interested to see how the South Carolina experience goes because I think it's one of those things. It's like if it doesn't work out for him, that could be it. Like you don't get too many third or fourth opportunities. I mean, Garrett Gilbert's still in the league. Yeah, but I mean, Garrett Gilbert at least like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I Rattler can't go. I, like, I don't think that there's ever been any questions about Garrett Gilbert's dedication to the sport. It's, I think he has some just physical limit limits that you know, obviously he can't. I mean, Rattler has an arm. There's no doubt about that. I mean, is is Vince McMahon going to start his third professional football league to get Spencer Rattler? His chance. Look, I mean, he's going to get it. He's well. going Sweet. to get somebody's going to take. I mean, I, 
He, I yeah. mean, I got to think he's going to be drafted. Yeah, I mean, there's just too much potential there. Now, I, does he does he put in the work to be able to stay in the NFL? The starter, right? Yeah, that's the question. Sure. He needed to be, I think we all agree, he needed to be humbled a bit. And I, like, oh, yeah. let's see. Like, I, I think that that has happened. And from everything that I kind of had gathered, I think he did kind of take it as a learning experience, take it as a little bit of a, uh, a humbling experience and what happened to him in Norman. Uh, I wish him the best of luck because I like Shane. Like, I'm always going to be cheering for uh, South Carolina. So we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. But it's like it is kind of crazy that you know we spend all this time. And I don't know how you guys feel. I I kind of go back and forth on this idea if Caleb comes back, like what actually happens. I find that conversation to be fascinating because like say hypothetically he does come back. What the hell happens to Dylan Gabriel? Well, he, he becomes the backup. You know, I, I mean, I let's. I mean, around? let's. It's not. Don't complicate <laughs> don't, things. Don't stay around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he doesn't have to stay around. Um, but I mean, if Caleb Williams, let's say, let's say this is all driven by his dad as agent, and Caleb Williams just has uh, a come to Jesus meeting with his family, says, "Look, I want to go back to Oklahoma." Just get what you can get NIL. We'll worry about that stuff later. I want to go play for Jeff Levy. I want to go back to Oklahoma. He's a starter. Oh, I, th- I think he is. I just, like, I want to know, <laughs> I guess, information that we don't know or probably aren't privy to as far as when, and I think we all agree that Oklahoma kind of knew this was going to happen with Caleb. He was going to go explore his options. Is that phone call made to Dylan Gabriel from Jeff Levy saying, come on, he's gone, don't have to worry about him? Or, like, do you read into, like, the text that, or the tweet that he sent out, like, gambling on himself? Does he know that there's an opportunity that Caleb could come back? And believe me, like, as we record this, right now you're catching me at a moment where I think it's probably not going to happen. Like, I guess I don't think that Caleb's going to come back. But you catch me in a, in you know two more hours, I might be thinking that he is going to come back. I well, Josh, just, I mean, the you, whole thing's fascinating. You can address that. I mean, you're kind of hearing a little bit of activity on a second quarterback right now, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're you know, I know um, Eddie and I both got followed by Malik Cunningham on Monday, um, and I know talking to some Louisville sources, yeah, there there was some, you know. It sounds kind of NIL related. I don't want to go into too much of that conversation because it wasn't really, you know, hey, let's talk about this publicly. But it was, you know, I, it really was a conversation Eddie had, but just kind of relaying what we'd heard was that there was some NIL stuff kind of going on and maybe he was interested in seeing if there was a bigger market out there for himself. Um, and, you know, to my knowledge, there's been no interest from OU at this point. So I don't want to misconstrue what we're hearing. Now, what I did hear last night is that there is some legs to the Casey Thompson situation, that there is something, there's some conversations happening, I guess I would say. Um, now, what those are or how far down the road they are, I don't want to overstate because I honestly, guys, and you know, you can absolutely weigh on, in on this, I think until OU knows with Caleb Williams, they're not making any move on any other quarterback. They, they've got their guy who they would feel comfortable starting the season with in Dylan Gabriel, they've got Nick Evers. You know, they they've got um, 
Oh, God, poor back. Ralph Rucker. So th- th- they have options at quarterback. They can run a practice now. They can do the things they need to do. But you don't want to overcrowd that room or, you know, make promises to a Casey Thompson or to anybody else that you just can't keep. With Gabriel, I, I think it's an interesting situation because kind of what you guys were saying, you can bring him in, and I, I believe we were told he's going to graduate after this upcoming semester. And at that point, yes. he could leave again, and it's you know he can do whatever the hell he wants to. He's a grad transfer. There's really almost no limit on him at that point. So um, I, I think that's probably what what they kind of sold him on. Hey, you could come here and be the guy, but hey, if Caleb comes back and you know he wins, it doesn't work out. You still have this kind of exit door waiting for you. You can do that way, and you know, of course, we'll help you. So, like I said, I think there's a lot going on. And Eddie had it on Monday, and I think he's dead right. I do not expect this to be the last quarterback to come out of the portal, whether it's Caleb Williams or Casey Thompson or anybody else. I think there will be another quarter scholarship quarterback on this roster, you know, a month from now. Well, it, yeah, you, we're, you, we're, just, go you, ahead, you, you can't have Gabriel, and then if something happens to him, we don't even know how he's recovering from collarbone you you assume he's okay you assume he's going to be just fine but if there's any issues going forward you just can't throw evers right into the fire like that so you have to find someone and that's why i i think casey thompson's a great fit because he would understand okay you know maybe i'm not the guy from get-go but there's probably going to be an opportunity or two to show what i can do one last time and you, you it's hard to be a quarterback and accept that you coming in not to be the guy, not to be the starter, but you're one play away from being the guy once again. Well, and you know the other thing that we haven't really talked about, and, and how this, you know, how this decision by Caleb Williams to just go somewhere else might be more set in stone. Is I mean, do we take anything out of Mario Williams entering the portal too? I mean, into what he, the conversations might have been between him and Caleb Williams. It's very obvious that he wants to play football with Caleb Williams. I do think that it's interesting. Like, again, I just I, I don't think that it's strange by any means, but it just Caleb Williams. I mean, uh, Mario Williams is in the portal, so he, he I mean, he can go anywhere. Talk to anyone. Yeah, he can talk to anybody. I just don't understand. Like, if you're going to enter the portal, enter the portal. Like, I I don't it. I, I was told it's a very easy process. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I, I just don't get why he hasn't entered. Well, let me ask and, you. I mean, and, and I think some people are going to take a wait and see and, and figure out what happens. But I think this is the question I get most from people now. Is Marvin Mims next? It's because of the way he's phrasing things. And he says, I want to come back. And it's like, no one's stopping him from coming back. It would only be his own personal decision. So it's just the selective phrasing he used in the last month that has people very concerned. We know his dad has been. It's like we know his dad's it, been upset on social media. We saw what Margin right. Hooks put out there uh, late last week, I think it was, or maybe this weekend. Yep. It's almost Saturday like the people night, around yeah. him more so than it is actually what Marvin has said to me. Yeah. But, I mean, it's clear there's a message of get him the damn football more. Like, yeah, get me, him on the field more. To me, 
he he's in a situation now that he wants to be in where he is really the best receiver on the roster by far. Not that he wasn't uh, already. Of all the things that happened this year, the just, I guess, basically kind of like the, I don't want to say he got screwed over, but like, where what happened to Marvin Mims this year? Why wasn't he playing? Why wasn't he getting on the field? Why wasn't he basically the I center think, of an offense? I just don't get it. I think here's what I think. I think it started out when Spencer Rattler started having more issues. He went away from what he was doing last year, which was throwing. Remember that TCU game last year, where it seems like Spencer Rattler had like 11 completions, but they were all like 60 yard bombs, and most of them were to Mims. And it was like Rattler came out to show that he could spread the ball around a little bit more and not just throw deep passes to Marvin Mims all the time. And so it's like he just got pushed to the back of the line of priorities in Spencer Rattler's progressions. He did, he got screwed. Yeah. I guess if... I. It's easy to blame Lincoln Riley, obviously. I just, you would think that you would want to use your best offensive players to the best of their abilities, and it felt like that never happened. <laughs> well, I mean, screw this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to blame the coaches, too, because they're in charge of the sure. rotations. It just doesn't make sense to me. All right, so. And if his, and if his people are mad, like, I don't know why you would be mad at, like, it's not Kel Gundy's fault. Yeah, you're mad at the people that left. <laughs> it just doesn't that, make sense to me. It just, that's it, the, the weird It's kind of like, it's so kind of like the, 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 uh, oh, who's the linebacker? The, you know, uh, Marvin, Sand, is it Marvin? The, the one that committed to Georgia. Oh, like, Marvin Jones Jr. Marvin Jones Jr. And, like, his mom was mad at OU. It was like, Oh, you didn't do this. They didn't create this where the coach just picked up in the middle of the night and left. Like, people know who to be mad at. Th that's the thing. Like, it feels like Lincoln Riley left, and everything good about OU football is now perceived as at Southern California. And all the things that were bad were because of the program. I'm like, I don't understand how that makes sense to anyone. Like, it's. It's still those guys were making the decisions. Like I, I, I don't real, I don't, I just, I don't get how people can't see what the story is. Like it's just misplaced. You know, anger. you can be, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's oh, we're mad at you. The Trey, uh, Trey Sermon, we kind of felt like that too. Yeah. Yes. Abdul Adams was the first but, who, who apparently. Yeah. Still had to turn down whether he's coming back or not. Wasn't he recruited in like 2014? He was, should have been a super senior this year. Yeah, I just remember what he sent out an edit about something. I was like, really? He still? Like there was a decision to be made there? I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, so... Moving forward, is, I, I think that real, just real quick, what yeah. do we think of Dylan Gabriel? Like, have we have we really had the Dylan Gabriel conversation yet? 
I, I, can he I mean, come in and be a Big 12 championship? Can, can OU compete for a national title with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback? No. Okay. Not in 2022. No. Yeah, exactly. Not with what – like, could they in the – I mean, Jesus, Georgia's playing for a national title with Stetson Bennett. Like, yes, in the right settings, absolutely. <laughs> right. The um, but – like, there's a lot to be rebuilt. Now, at the same time, I don't know. Baylor if you ask won the question with, with Gary Bohannon. Yeah. If you're talking about can OU win the Big 12, Dylan Gabriel, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And, guys, I, I, you know, you look around. I know everybody, like, God, we've got the dumbass article of OU's in trouble. With Dylan Gabriel, OU's the favorite to win the Big 12 next year. The, the, they are the favorite to win the Big 12 next year. And we're talking about them like, the, like Rome is burning. Like, calm down. Well, we're not. Someone is. I mean, no, yeah. I'm sorry. And it's not just him. There are other people spreading this. This th- Like, Pat Forty is another one just bringing up really great points. Um, what? I, I just don't know what we're Pat talking 40 about. Pat Forty to comment on is the 100 butterfly. <laughs> well, hey, don't a, diss the 100 butterfly. That are creeping out young reporters, female reporters. If a certain CBS columnist hadn't been in trouble by Shane Beamer, he probably would have chimed in at some point, too. Oh, got publicly shamed. Oh, my God. He got murdered. Ouch. Yeah. He's dead now. That was, can't worry about him. Yeah. yeah. Ed, Eddie's <laughs> ghost, holding a uh, service for him later this afternoon. I'm t- I mean, I told you guys, like, the, like being a miserable media guy is just stop doing that. Dan Wolken, Dennis Dodd, Dodds, whatever your name is, Stuart Mandel. I mean, being insufferable in this climate, like, with so many people struggling, the athletic trying to sell itself. I mean, don't be, don't be a miserable person. Well, and I just don't get it. Like, it's like they, okay, sure. You get plenty of response and reaction on Twitter. No one's signing up to read what you're writing when that's what you're writing. So cool. You're getting the feedback. You're not making any money for it. Like, stop. The wet blanket society of college football reporters. Yes. Yes. We should, we should start like a group. Like they can be a, a Twitter feed. Just the, all the just have a list Debbie of Downers. List. Absolutely. The wet blanketers. Um, but no, I mean, back to your point, I like Dylan Gabriel. I mean, I, I watched him because it's hard not to watch UCF when they were good because they were on like every Thursday or Friday night. Yep. Uh, and then when Mackenzie Milton went down, I was like, okay, who's this guy replacing him? And he was good. I mean, I watched him like kind of like you mentioned Baker, and I made that comparison early on. But that's just kind of the type of game that he has. He's not, he doesn't blow you away like Kyler with his athleticism, but you watch him throw the ball and you're like, wow, that ball really comes out of his hand. Like, he's a good looking little quarterback. Mm-hmm. Is he going to help you beat Alabama or Georgia? No. Yep. You're going to have to have some real horses around him to do that. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I don't know that OU's winning the national title with Caleb Williams. So, like, with with some of the turnover that they've got and all they <laughs> lost in defensive line and an offensive line that still has got to kind of find its way, like, there there are questions that have nothing to do with who the quarterback is. Yeah, no, um, oh, by the way, you've lost Tyrese Robinson. You've lost uh, Marquise Hayes. Marquise Hayes. 
Mm. We're waiting on Chris. Eric uh, Swenson, Chris your backup at half at, at seven offensive line positions. <laughs> Some people would argue that. Yes, I know there's five. Marquis Hayes probably it might be an addition by subtraction. Yeah, there was. I, I heard some interesting responses to some of the NFL draftnet guys kind of talking about liking him, and uh, there were there <laughs> there was some feedback I got that was a little bit surprised about that. So have have we uh, been surprised by anybody that is? I mean, Bob's been keeping track of it on the board, just as far as all the guys that have uh, entered the NFL draft. Are, are there, is there anybody that is just flat out making a terrible decision? Because it's so weird. Like you look at the list. But I think that we're kind of skewed by the way we look at it because they do have that opportunity to come back. Like, I think most times you would look at the list and if they didn't have that extra year, you'd go, okay, that makes sense. But because they have that extra year because of COVID, it like, I think it skews the way I look at it. Well, Bob had mentioned it, you know, um, back, you know, one of his earlier press conferences, like, this is a terrible year. To be kind of halfway in and halfway out of a draft because there's going to be so many people in this draft because of COVID. Like, and I see people like Buki declaring for the draft, and I'm just like, yeah, that's what he's talking about. There's a bunch of people in there that probably don't need to be in there. Uh, And it's just. Did Braden Willis come out? Did did his podcast come out today? I have not heard. I haven't seen it. You think it'd be out there? I know that's when he's making his choice. Yeah, that would be another one. It'd be like. I mean, oh, I, I, I uh, guess maybe if you feel there's a stigma if you stay a fifth year when you didn't need to. But what he did in the first four years doesn't show. Yeah, I mean, it's not there's not enough, ready to make that that leap. There's not enough tape out there on him for anybody to say, OK, I mean, maybe somebody falls in love with him and, and drafts him really, really late. But man, I think that kid is so much better than what he's shown. Like, I don't care if there's a stigma. There's a chance you can come back next year and be a really big part of the offense when you never have been your entire career. I yeah, because you don't. You're Deshaun no longer White. fighting Stogner or Hall. It's just you, man. I think Deshaun White might be going through that because he's, you know, we're a week removed from the game now, and he still hasn't said anything. Well, and the, and the guy that had the tape was the first guy to declare. So, I mean, and I think we all can say, well, Brian Osamoa might not be. He, he doesn't look like a surefire NFL guy, but he's got the tape. I mean, he had a really good year. It, he's got to get a combine invite and go run. And if he goes yeah. and runs yep. what I think he could run, <laughs> he'll make some money. Like, I mean, he, he just – and, God, guys, if he would have played the whole year, like he played about the last half of the year – I mean, he, he might have been Oklahoma's best defender over the last half of the season. He was dominant at times. That Baylor game, he was outstanding. Yes, he was a different guy from the bye week on. Yep, I, I agree. I, apparently, he didn't get the memo about USC. So, um, you know, he, he was one of the guys I thought really just played to a different level in the second half of the year. One of the, one of the few guys I think you could say that about. So, um, but, you know, I, guys, the one I wonder about, and I know he announced it early and then kind of came back and almost like almost like we're seeing with scholarships they he re-announced was Mike Woods I I thought Mike Woods was a really interesting fit for Jeff Levy and could have made a lot of sense yeah if he wanted to come back could be in that kind of outside vertical guy can stretch the field like I thought man that that could really work 
and he didn't have a great year. So you kind of thought, well, you know, may- maybe, but I get it. He's not attached to OU the way maybe some of the other guys are. Right. And he's already dead set. I mean, already with the senior day stuff. Like, that's why I was so, when I said no shock, it wasn't because of his year. It's because of his mindset. You, he knew going in one year at OU to show what I can do. And he played that way the entire time. He never yep. gave the impression that he was going to even consider coming back for another season. And he played well when he got opportunities. He just yeah. didn't get as many opportunities as I thought he would. That's kind of the entire receiving core. Yeah. Just not enough balls to go around. And not enough people throwing them consistently. So And uh, game planning. Yeah. Adjusting to rush three, drop eight, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, okay, so... As we sit here now, do we think, I mean, Chris Murray, you mentioned, Marvin Mims, anybody else that's up in the air? By the way, it was interesting that Patrick in Fields, or draft. it was interesting that Patrick Fields clarified that he will be playing football at Stanford. It's that's almost surprising. like Stanford found out that he was coming and they were like, you know, you have another year of <laughs> eligibility. Like, you want to come play? That's kind of how it felt, isn't it? It did, because I... I was like, did I miss his announcement and what he tweeted? It sounded like he was just he was done and he was moving on. Well, that's what was that. I think that's what we all thought was so cool about it. It's like, wow, this kid really like knows himself and he knows that he's got a better chance of being successful off the field than he does on it. And then it just turned into, oh no, I'm playing. It's like okay. But, okay, so outside of that, though. Are you talking portal or draft? Because Mims and Murray either are two. Either or, either or, yeah. I mean, no. Uh, like, at, here's the other some. thing about the wide receiver position. <laughs> where are you, It's kind of like the Caleb Williams thing that I keep going back to. Like, where are you going to go that you have a better opportunity? Yeah. Yep. Like, if especially like a Jalil Farouk and Josh, I know that you put something up. Uh, I think it was on the Monday or Tuesday. No, I think it was Tuesday notes. It's mm-hmm. like you come back, you're going to get a bunch of footballs coming your way in 2022. Yeah. And, and like I, I an offensive coordinator that's running the wishbone. Has there ever been no. another holy shit? Who is that moment other than maybe like Quentin Chaney? In a bowl game know. than Jalil Farouk? Darby making that catch that he did in Bedlam. It was kind of like, where did this guy come from? <laughs> Uh, and guys, I know talking to some people, that was no fluke. Like apparently he was awesome through December. They, they really think he could be, uh, you know, I, I don't want to know Farouk. if for, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to say like a number one type of guy, but like they, he really, I, I keep hearing like he could be a dude. Like they, they really think they've got something And you know, kind of as you alluded to Eddie, I, I've heard that he is even, you know, kind of said, no, I'm good. I'm here. So I, I don't know. That's kind of interesting with the whole Caleb Williams situation, and maybe it helps OU with Caleb because we all know he and Farouk are close. I mean, they're friends. So, you know, maybe maybe that benefits OU um, in, in that chase. But either way, it sounds like OU is under the impression that Farouk is going to stay. Yeah, when we talked with uh, Cale Gundy after the game, his, his voice inflection changed when talking about Farouk, so you can tell Kale super excited about what he thinks he's going to be able to do with that kid going forward. You know, it, it is kind of interesting that 
if you would have asked me a month ago, I think that there was this idea that Latrell McCutcheon, Bryson Washington, Josh all these defensive, yeah. Josh mm-hmm. Eaton, all these defensive backs were going to be the guys that were going to be entertaining ideas of the portal. And it's almost kind of the exact opposite. I guess I get it in a way because you're bringing in Brent Venables. There's an entire like it's kind of like when we talked to Reggie Grimes for the first time is like, I love this. There's a there's a there's a uh, focus coming back on the defensive side of the football with our head coach. You just wonder if like if they say they would have gone out and gotten an offensive guy to be the head coach would things have changed for that side of the football? Well, and I, let's talk about the defensive side and the hirings and, and what's coming into yeah. focus here. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's but, unfortunate that that's kind of gone under the radar, isn't it? Well, uh, what they should do, uh, maybe we should send them a little gift pack from Uh because, guys, they have just released a special uh, eight-packs and four-packs you can get the uh, Crimson Dress Sock 4-Pack Away Edition uh, for $64.95 on sale. That's normally $80. Or get the Home Pack that's got the Maker Bay Fields, uh, which are the most popular by far, Dead Socks, the Oklahoma Sock, uh, those $64.95 uh, on sale. Or you can get all eight Oklahoma-themed socks uh, for $125. Uh, that is... Uh, I'm trying to do math quickly, which is not my strong suit. $35 off uh, the regular price. So all those packs on sale right now, go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And, uh, man, take advantage of those sales. Uh, The eight-pack will give you lots of different socks to wear during game game days next year uh, or just around the office to let everybody know that you are a a big Sooner fan. Uh, So go check them out. Uh, and if you just want to grab a pair of socks that aren't on sale, uh, use that promo code BOOMER, and you'll get 20% off. So um, Oklahoma is fortunate to be one of the states uh, that uh, have a sock collection, Alabama, Oklahoma, South Carolina, uh, Ole Miss. I mean, I think Jeff Levy probably has some of these socks, um, you know, sitting in his drawer. have to get rid of them. So we need to get him the dead socksy. So maybe we'll do that for him. Uh, as a welcoming gift. So go check them out. Appreciate them uh, sponsoring the pod as always. And uh, But the defensive coaches, guys, those are probably the guys that need some socks because, uh, well, Brent Venables, uh, Ted Roof, uh, and why am I blanking on the, the latest? Miguel Chavis? Uh, Chavis. Brandon um, Hall. Brandon Hall. Well, Brent Hall, Yeah. I'm just talking about they need to get rid of that orange in their closet, so we need to get them some red. Oh, All those guys coming from Clemson. And Todd Bates? Todd Bates, yeah. So let's talk well, about it. I mean, Todd Bates. <laughs> that I turnip seed took it all, and he's burned all of it. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, he, I hope so. He was so. burning masks, and then he was burning orange clothes. So um, it was the move that we all thought made the most sense. Uh, Todd Bates coming with Brent Venables because he didn't retain Calvin Thibodeau. He didn't retain um, Jamal Kane. Jamar Kane. I'm forgetting people's names already. My God. Uh, I need some sleep. Terry's getting old. It's just sleep. I need sleep. Um, Jamar Kane. Now, I've worked it out in my head. Uh, Didn't retain him. And everybody thought, well, Todd Bates is going to come in here and save the day. Uh, And then it looked like it wasn't going to happen for the longest time. And then... uh, you guys started to kind of hear it. We started checking with the Clemson people. 
uh, kind of like everybody else. You know, they didn't think there was any way he would leave. So, I mean, this is, is it not the home run hire of the Brent Venables era to this point? I, I To me, I, I've said it before. I think as far as position coaches go, and I know he's got a co-DC title and that kind of thing, but as far as position coaches go, I don't think there's been a better hire in college football this year. I mean, that that's how pivotal he is as a recruiter as you know the guy who's producing nfl defensive linemen from clear you know clemson just year after year uh he's he's outstanding i mean it's just a huge hire for ou he kind of has a unique spiel which everybody kind of saw last night with the poem like that's that's a very frequent pattern for him um you know so don't think like oh it's just this one little thing that will continue to happen um Talking to some Clemson sources, there's apparently a, a story that, that, you know, somebody's got to ask Venables about when he kind of first meets Bates, and apparently Bates had a poem for him, and Brent was like, I don't know what to do with this. You know, like, <laughs> just like, what, 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 what am I supposed to do oh, about a poem? <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about Brent, like the football guy of football guys. So just kind of kind of hilarious to think about that, what that room felt like in that moment. But, um, yeah, so, I, I guys, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely massive. I think it says, you know, we talked about it last week. And, and Bob, I know when we were talking in the war room about, you know, me kind of hearing, like, something's happening here. That This seems pretty pretty imminent. And your first question was, like, are they going to match that money? Guys, I think it says a lot about OU that, you know, Clemson came in, made that huge raise, that huge offer for him. And OU clearly, I mean, there's just no question. OU must have at least matched it. And that tells you, okay, they're ready to play big boy ball here to go and get these kind of guys. I mean, Bates made sense from December. So do we have any concrete info as to why this stretched into January, Josh? Well, okay, so my... I think there's a couple of things in play. I, I definitely think in December it was being worked on. And then as we've talked about, I got the impression that he, um, you know, that I don't know how much he knew about that raise and the title and everything Clemson was going to do for him before it was just announced publicly. I think Clemson knew, hey, we got to do this fast. Like, we've got to get this out in front of the people before he signed anything, before anything's been agreed upon, he needs to know it's out there. Um, I've even heard rumors that he was in Norman when that news was announced. Now, my guess is, again, and this is not something you'd normally see, but I, my guess is Brent Venables said, Hey, you need, you know, go finish it out, go do the thing. I'm, you know, go, go spend the last game with the Clemson players, do all that stuff. And then once that was over, they kind of hashed out some of the contracts up because I was told even as of like Sunday, that was still all being ironed out, but there was definitely a feeling that Oklahoma was going to be what it, what he was going to do, but that Oklahoma had to kind of hash some things out. And I, I thought at the time, and I still think now based on, you know, you look at his Twitter page and what he's got on his page, assistant head coach, you know, co-defensive coordinator. I think they had to find some titles for him to justify the money that they were about to pay him. And that's the thing Follow that's always... follows, wins again. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that, you know, is always funny about this stuff because you're talking about 
titles that you have to give someone in order to pay them a certain amount of money. It's just a, it's a, it's a tremendous amount of bureaucracy, but it's just something that you got to work through. When Sheamus is getting 600000 for someone who's never been a position coach. Yeah. I mean, he must just be a star. He feels like it. We just have to see it first. This, this, I mean, this is the, can we say that maybe since, I don't think you could say since the days of Jackie Ship and his prime with Brent on staff, like, this should exceed anything that we've ever seen except for maybe early Stoops years of powerhouse defensive recruiting staffs. Does this set a new bar to you in the modern I mean, era? just on the surface, it has to, right? Is it true that every primary starter at Clemson under Todd Bates at one point was an all-conference player? That's amazing. Wow. I, I, I'd have to look at that to know. but I mean, I mean, you look at the list of guys like the Christian Wilkins and go on and on and on. It's mm-hmm. like they have produced badasses at that position. Now, can you it, like how do you translate that to Norman, a place that uh, has had trouble over the last couple of years? I would think, though, that if you can recruit him to come play in the ACC, recruit him to come play in the SEC, right? Because, God, I mean, if you're – if you're talking about a, you know, like, and I know Clemson had a lot of singular success, but when you're talking about a conference that had just been a joke for four or five years, I mean, guys, I think the Pac-12s had more com- competition outside of one school than the ACC has. I mean, it's just been watching Clemson march through a bunch of, you know, Kansas States. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been pitiful. I mean there was there was such a huge drop off from Clemson to like North Carolina, whoever it was, that was number two. I mean Pitt kind of made their play this year, but yeah, there was a chasm between Clemson and the rest of that. I mean the Big Twelve has not had a bunch of powerhouses, but I mean they've at least been putting teams in the college football playoff or, um, you know winning the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, and a lot of Pitt success this year came because of the really good quarterback and Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Yep. No, I mean, it's it's a fantastic defensive staff when you look at it overall. I mean, it, it could not have ended up better. And like you said, Eddie, we really haven't devoted a lot of time to it because uh, there's been so much going on. But, yeah, I think in well, the months to come... it's not a sexy thing to talk... Like, it's not a sexy thing to talk about. You can say it's a great hire and everything, but there's nothing like concrete in front of you that says this is going to be a uh, immediate quote unquote turnaround, right? It's going to take some time. I mean, they're going to have to get guys in. I think that obviously Todd Bates has some things to work with. I didn't think that like the the defensive line just played terrible in the, in the Alamo bowl, but at the same time, it's like he's going to need to be able to recruit. He's going to, Need to be able to bring in some guys. What what is visible is the reaction from elite defensive recruits in the last 24, 48 hours. And I joked with Josh. I was like, I got to learn who these guys are. We know who all the elite guys are on offense because of OU made an offer and meant something. Now you got to flip it. If OU makes an offer on defense, it's going to mean something because of Venables, 
because of Bates. I mean, there were a lot of like, who is this guy? Oh, 2023 five star defensive line. Okay. Okay. So this, these are the type of guys that were, that OU is going to be in the running for moving forward. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I don't, I would love to have seen if this, st- this staff had been in place a month ago with guys like Gabe Dindy and stuff. Well, especially with what you're hearing about A&M's replacement for Mike Elko being a three-down guy. DJ oh, Durkin. Okay. Yep, that is a... Hey, transfer portal works still. It's still working. Yep. Yep. It's... Like I said, just interesting how that kind of played out, you know, and I... I mean, do you think I, that's something we should keep an eye on, Josh? Probably not, because he's still going to say, yeah. well, I, you know, I, now I don't know anybody at OU. You know, I mean, uh, at least at A&M, he can say, I have Jimbo Fisher. I have Elijah Robin. Like, I mean, the, the, he has connection there. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it, it's pretty clear that, you know, all the promises made are just not probably not going to be kept. Sure. Well, okay, so surprise, now surprise. that this is in place... What does this mean for the second signing day, if anything? Is it all a Hail Mary at this point? I I think, I, it, I mean, yeah, to some degree. Now, I will say I've talked to some people um, about all the locks and all the other stuff going around. There's, there's some reason for optimism. Um, I think Oklahoma could close on a few defensive guys that may be Maybe would surprise people. I, I keep hearing um, the Jalil Florence kid. They've got a shot with the, mm-hmm. the corner out of Southern California. Uh, his name comes up a lot. Um, you know, obviously, um, Mo, uh, yeah, Ahmad Moten, uh, R. Mason Thomas. You know, some of those guys, I, I think those are very real possibilities. I What we have to watch is Miami in both those cases. And, I, you know, what's interesting is, you know, there's there's – I, I talked about it a few weeks ago, and there's this, you know, people, uh, players and the recruits, you know, they're excited, and they're putting this stuff out, you know, oh, lock, lock. And fans are like, well, look, look at that. I mean, that that's better than the eyeballs ever were. And I'm like, it's the same thing. It doesn't mean anything <laughs> final. And they've made no promises to anybody who's officially a, uh, you know, a, a member of the staff. So it probably counts for even less because 17-year-olds make promises to other 17-year-olds all the time that don't get kept. That, that's, that's the way that goes. And talking to some people, I get the feeling that, that, that that's known. But at the same time, young guys get excited and they, they say things and, you know, like, oh, it's a lock. It's done. Man, it's not. I'm just I'm, – everybody out there that thinks – Seven commitments are all going to line up the way you know has been, that has been tweeted out by Kobe McKenzie and some others. Don't do that to yourself. Like it's not going to go exactly to plan. Now, could they pull off a couple? Yeah, I think they could. I, and you know, I know again, you know, we brought him up last week. Hayes Fawcett's tweeted it out a few times, and obviously, he's got a lot of insight into what these guys are thinking. That Oklahoma's recruiting is trending in the right direction, and I couldn't agree more. They're doing a very nice job on a couple of elite guys and if you, uh, guys if you'd have told me two weeks ago that OU has legit chance at DJ Campbell and is gonna get an official visit from Josh Connerly the big def- uh, big offensive lineman from Washington mm-hmm. 
I told you you're crazy. That those things are happening. Like Josh Connerly is going to take an official visit in January, and DJ Campbell may come up again. If you could get them there on the same weekend and say, "Hey guys, you know th- this is what we could do. You guys could be the cornerstones of this offensive line going forward because they are, you know, Connerly I believe is either twenty four seven or on threes number one offensive lineman in the country. DJ Campbell is almost everybody's number one guard in the country, and you know there's. There's stuff there that that's really really interesting. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, I like I said, they are they're moving in the right direction. We'll see what they actually close with. But I I would be surprised if there's not two or three signees at least in February. In the end, do you think there's more transfer portal guys than signees? Uh, you you mean like from this point forward? Right. Yes. Probably. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because yep. they just They're gonna they have, have some act, needs that have wide receiver and maybe you even could you line. could already start thinking that like Titus from Central Florida. We're not going to say his last name. We're we're just never going to say it. That feels like <laughs> TMA. Someone. TMA. We'll we'll let it Eddie handle like that. Someone. Eddie's a, a last name specialist. <laughs> it's a disaster if he comes here. <laughs> Jackson Jackson player from from Tulsa feels like a sure. guy that could easily. I like you can already without even saying, oh, this is a reach that maybe they could get. That's two right there that you could feel pretty strongly about January 5th that those guys are going to be there in a couple weeks. All right, well, um, Josh, go ahead. uh, Just at the wide receiver position, like, because there is a need, like, I I know locally, like, Gavin Freeman's a name that continues Mm -hmm. to come up. Like, I'm not saying that he could replicate what Mario Williams is, but I could see that, like, not necessarily covering each other up, but if he doesn't come back, I mean, I'd I'd take a chance on the kid. And that and that goes to what Josh has said before about this period. You take a chance. You don't know if it's going to work out, and be prepared if some of them don't. But you take the chance. Sure. Yeah, and guys, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, you know, and I, I think. We've seen several offers, and I know you know Eddie and I and Carrie and I had a chance to talk about it a little bit on Monday, but I think it's pretty clear that this staff is going to place more priority on the state of Oklahoma than its predecessor. Uh, Eric McCarty's already been offered. By Job got offered. By I mean had come to multiple camps and worked out and done all that he could multiple to try games. and get attention. Yeah, and never. You know, like, don't get me wrong. OU was interested. I mean, I think an offer was probably going to happen at some point, but this staff hasn't been on campus a month, and we're like, yep, we'll take him. He's 6'5", 210, can do anything you want on the basketball court, and is super athletic. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll try to find some way he can work. And so I, I think that is... I think that's a clear pattern we're seeing develop. You're, you're seeing less reticence in state, you know, guy, Hey, this guy's good. He plays good competition. We're going to offer him Eric McCarty. What did that guy not do as a junior? I mean, like that, that dude was everywhere from McAllister and you know, great McAllister players haven't had a great track record at Oklahoma. Brandon Keith, uh, Dalton Wood. Oh, don't I say mean, it. you go oh, down God, the list. Dalton Wood. Yeah. But you know, at, at the same time, uh, you know, it, it says something when it's it's not. I, I mean, the last time McAllister really made a run like that, they had Dalton Wood. 
usually there seems to be a pattern when they have a great player, they tend to go pretty far. Well, I mean, Eric McCarty seems like that kind of guy. For those that don't know, father played at Oklahoma. There's a lot of connection there. I've already put in a forecast for both of those guys uh, with OU based largely on things I think will happen down the road, just kind of getting ahead of it. But, you know, when Eddie and I went and saw Bye in the spring, he talked about it. He talked about, you know, the chance to stay close to his family that, you know, that has kind of taken him in in Norman. That means a lot to him. And so I I think, I, I you know, as long as OU stays hard after those guys and really wants them, I think that's that's probably what they end up doing. Now, um, we're potting today instead of yesterday because some things fell a certain way. You were not going to be here, uh, but some of the uh, OU signees and things um, didn't uh, exactly, things didn't go great for them in the uh, All-American game. Yeah, as well as it went in Florida, it went that poorly in San Antonio. Um, both Derek Evers, uh, not Derek Evers, Nick. Nico Evers, and um, Nico. Why? I, his damn username. I want to say Nico Twitter, every freaking time. It's like <laughs> yes, Stevie, I do it every Steven time. Parker for me. Yeah, and and his dad is Derek. That's where Derek came from. So I apologize. Nick Evers, the quarterback uh, signee from Flower Mound. Tested positive. He tweeted it out. He's not going to be able to uh, take part in the Army game, which was a late change for him. He was supposed to be at the Under Armour. There was a scheduling issue where that really tied into back when he was a Florida commitment, and they were worried about you know how he was going to make it work to go down to Orlando, get down there, and then almost immediately have to turn around and report to the University of Florida for their school to start. And it was like, man, I don't, you know, like I'd like some time with my family before I go, I think was a big part of it. So they just elected not to do it. Well, then, lo and behold, everything changes, and it would have been fine, but they'd already kind of made that decision. Then you had Army come along and say, hey, we, we need a quarterback for the East team. He comes down and tests positive when he gets there. Same thing happened to Jake Taylor, the big offensive line commitment. I wanted to see Gavin Sawchuck. I wanted to see Gentry Williams. I've seen both of those guys in person this year. Jake Taylor and, and Evers were the main reason I was going to go to San Antonio. So we're like, let's just tap the brakes. Let's see what happens here, and then we'll go forward. Um, but, yes, I was supposed to, as we're recording, I was supposed to be watching the Army practice at the Alamo Dome right now and actually talked to a reporter that was there and was like, I wouldn't come, man. I, I Like, half the team is not. The West team had three defensive backs practicing on Monday. Three. I mean, are they going like, to be able to play? I, that's the thing. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Now, if they do, it's going to be a bunch of guys. You know, it's going to be. I was joking around with somebody the other day. It's going to be Austin uh, Westlake versus Lake Travis, and they're just going to put them <laughs> on each roster and let them play. I mean, that, because be it's just. Game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not not the worst of replacements to have to find, but yeah. I mean, I think you're going to have some guys from San Antonio. It's just it's going to be watered down and. I don't know why you wouldn't have the kids take the test before they got on the plane, rather than after. I I don't I don't know. It, it you know run that however you want to. See here we go here we go. Got to get you wound up. Um, but no, it, it just like I said, I I I think they're going to struggle to have a game, and it's it's just tough to find much of a reason to be there as an OU reporter because. 
we've we've we know what's going on with Gentry Williams. We know what's going on with uh, Gavin Southchuck, obviously. And the two guys that we really wanted to see aren't there. Josh Connerly is there, and that's an interesting story. Um, but at this point, he's done seven interviews. I don't know what I'm going to talk to him about that he hasn't said on the record, you know, three times already. Is Jackson State going to be a real threat for Gentry? I guess that's the only thing that's new with him in the last couple of weeks. What is? I'm sorry, I, I missed something. He thought you were going to talk basketball real quick, so he just tuned out. <laughs> no, no. Is Dion, when, when is ba- Dion yeah, make a real, I, real run at Gentry? Yeah. I talking to Gentry. I, I mean, and I, I won't say that we've gone at length about the con- about that possibility, but I, I just don't get that impression. I, I think Gentry's a guy that really relationships mean a lot to him. Um, he is. He's still trying to work through that with Oklahoma. And then you've got Arkansas and some other schools that are involved with him. But he's seen enough turnover. He's still trying to process the schools that he knows he likes from a, you know, I've been to campus. I've seen what they have. You know, I, I, I'm familiar with what they're doing and learning all the new staff at, at all these places. At Jack, I mean, don't get me wrong. Maybe, maybe Dion could pull another, you know, rabbit out of his hat. I don't know. I don't see that though. I, that that's that doesn't seem likely. Largely, and maybe maybe because he understands that if he goes as a corner, well, I mean that's cool to go learn from Dion, but he knows the entire time he's there, he's going to be in Travis Hunter's shadow. Like that's that's the Travis Hunter show, and then that's so it's cool to go there and be a defensive lineman or a, a linebacker, but to go be another corner, I I, I just don't see that. All right. Um, outside of that, anything pressing that you guys uh, wanted it's, to hit on? Or I, I, I did want to talk about basketball here in a second, but I, I know that we don't take like uh, viewer comments, but there, I have gotten a lot of questions about uh, or listener comments, but I, I have gotten a lot of questions about like what does an analyst do? Because we've talked about like the Oklahoma, like possibly getting more analysts on staff. Can we shed some light on exactly like I know that they can't coach on the field and stuff like that, but somebody had deemed me on the board and wanted to wanted us to delve into that. I mean, it's 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 another set of eyes, but you know, it, it sure. could be something like uh, you know the that team that that person is responsible that week for um, you know breaking down uh, it's like an advanced know, scout stunts on the defensive line or. Um, I mean, yeah, it is. It's a little bit like uh, advance. It's a little bit of uh, self. Um, um, oh, what's the word? I'm like, self scouting. Self scouting. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you you do a lot of different things. I mean, and it's just you only have so many hours in the day, and you know, other than you can even go out to practice. You just can't be out there coaching people, and you can watch what's going on, and you know, which you, is isn't that the most like NCAA thing of all time, like. <laughs> Yeah, you can go out to practice, but you can't coach when you're out there. Like, shut the f*** up. <laughs> you think they're really not going to say something, like take a kid to the side? I just, it's so stupid. Well, it's a, Les Miles got in trouble for that in Kansas. Did he? Yeah. Some guy was running their special teams that was an analyst. Um, I'm sure compliance probably ripped your eyeballs out, Norman. 
So, is it, don't we have enough compliance bashing without us doing it on the pod? That is not. Well, we just, that is I not mean, even for fun. <laughs> <sighs> um, but no, I mean, I mean if they were in charge of it. They just hire like nine Helen Kellers to be out there. Yeah, he's an analyst, but but she was faking it the entire time too. So <laughs> just oh, like Steve, that's a different Wonder. story for another day, though. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't say Stevie Wonders. But... Well, everybody knows that he's been faking being blind for years and years and years. That's a staple of the pod, right there. It's, it's sickening from the very beginning. Um. But no, I mean, essentially, they, they do a bunch of different stuff, and it's all coaching-related, just helping to break down opponents and themselves. And and really, just it's kind of like sometimes you see something, um, and you've coached for so long, and, and you just... It's kind of like uh, you know toward the end of the season when they told Isaiah Thomas to start trying to bat down passes, and he did. It's like it's just somebody that steps up and says, you know what? We got a six foot five guy. Maybe we need to get him getting his hands up a little bit more. Just little things like that. Extra set of eyes. Uh, we did have some hoops action last night. I good one, Josh. Uh, I I will tell you. I let those. T- I know you you disappeared when it when the hoops stock top talk started last night. Um, but OU when played hard against Baylor. Um, got all their COVID cases back to play, lost by 10, but really, you know, they were close to making that a one possession game down the stretch last night. It's just taking care of the basketball was an issue. Yeah. And that's something that we'll talk with Porter again Friday, but turnovers for so many experienced guys, it's been an issue the entire season and it really hurt going down the stretch against the Bears. It was it's 77 72 with 50 seconds. Mo Gibson's got the three all lined up, but the shot gets blocked. And, you know, you're in five points on the road against the number one ranked team. A lot to build on, but so much to work on. Rebounding was atrocious. Oh. I, I, I don't even want to know what Porter's going to do the next couple days of this teachable moments with the rebounding 34 to 16 and it felt even worse than that and really giving up the offensive rebounds was the killer yep yeah zero second chance points after they played so well against kansas state in that regard they had like 18 to 20 zero second chance points against baylor well, it's going to be something that they're going to battle all year, isn't it, Bob? I mean, yep. I, I I think that just because they don't they don't have a lot of size in there. I mean, Tanner Groves 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 can only do so much. That's why you know when I think it was after the Arkansas game, they were so pleased with the way that the guards were rebounding, and I don't think that you can just count on that uh, a lot. It's a lot of energy but, to expend. Sure, for those guards to always be rebounding and to do everything else that comes with it. So Ethan Shagwa, when he comes in, he can't commit fouls, which yeah. is something that's been a real issue for him because he is one of the legitimate, you know, present you know, with, with size for OU. So it's, it is, it's going to be a, a, you know, hurdle, a challenge throughout the course of the season. But I, I think it sounds stupid about moral victories, but I feel like you learn more about how good OU can be in the loss compared to what they did in all of the 11 wins that came prior to it. And I got the sense kind of watching that game last night, like this is an OU team 
that hasn't developed a killer instinct yet. They don't know how good that they can be. I got to think they're developing confidence. But it's just like when you see them get some runouts late in the game, like a couple times it seems like Goldwire, uh, you know, just didn't take it to the basket and finish with confidence. Yep. Uh, yep. Like you're just like, okay, you've got to have some confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to, you know, get past everyone and lay that thing in. Uh, and there were some times, like Mo Gibson, you said he got that shot block, but he also had an air ball a little bit before that. Like, sometimes you feel like the moment's a little too big for these guys right now. Yeah, and I asked Jalen Hill, I go, I'm not saying you guys came into last night not thinking you could win, but when you're starting to make that run in the second half, how much did that belief start to change? How much more did it start to grow? And I was pleased with the honesty and him saying that, yeah, you know, we, we felt we could win, but in the second half, we started to know we could win. And if they can keep that attitude, Iowa State's going to be tough on Saturday. And then you go to Texas next Tuesday. It's like, we know how tough the schedule is going to be. So you can't, you know, let the fact that you let this one get just past you affect you going forward. And gotta, you got to hold serve at home. And Iowa State, of course, been one surprise of the entire country. So they get back out there Saturday at 5, and hopefully you take the good things from Waco and translate them to Norman Saturday. You know, it it is like, (laughs) and it's just the conference because it's so good up and down, but like there just isn't one of those games on the schedule that you could be seen as a get right. Like maybe TCU at home, but even the Kansas State game, it's like, you know, when you're dealt three blows like Mm -hmm. they were with the Groves brothers and and Bijan, it's like, you got to win those games. There's just like there, you can't get right on any, any team in the big 12. Like even the worst teams in the big 12 are still rather capable. I mean, TCU is still coached by a guy that went to the final four and Jamie Dixon, even though that they might be in the, in the, uh, the bottom of the barrel. I was, I don't know. I watched that. I watched that Oklahoma state game last night and Kansas finished off the first half over 20. (laughs) <laughs> and they're and still they tied. tied at halftime. So Oklahoma State might be an easy, maybe might be an easy win. I, I don't know. Mike Boynton. I talked about that this morning. Like Mike Boynton needs to win some basketball games. I know it's a tough spot right now with their uh, postseason ban, but they can't score the basketball right now. And if you look at their schedule, I know this isn't an OSU podcast, but like if you look at Oklahoma State's schedule here over oh. the next couple of weeks, they play at Morgantown, at Lubbock, and at Waco next week because of that rescheduled game. Uh, next Thursday, like they could start 0 5 in conference play, and that's obviously not great. I was really surprised, or not surprised, but I love CJ Nolan and uh, Bijan Cortez for what they are as a freshmen. lot of confidence in those freshmen. Yeah, I mean, they're not just getting like little spurts to give guys rest, they're playing meaningful minutes, and they're showing that they, they deserve it too. Uh, you know, you look at Bijan, you know, he's He's obviously gonna. He's not gonna score more than like six to eight points. But when he's there, he's running the team just as well as as Jordan, and that's always what Mojo's been concerned about: the drop off, the drop off of the bench compared to the starters. And it feels like with some of those guys, that gap is getting smaller and smaller. And that's exactly what you need as you hit conference season. Well, Bijan was another one of those guys. Like he had an unexpected blow by. Uh, of somebody and just wide open to the bucket instead of just taking it to the rim, he kicked it back out behind the three-point line. I was just like, yeah, that's a freshman. Yep. That's a guy figuring it out. 
you can tell though he's played high level basketball. Like he he wasn't necessarily scared of the moment. I think he had four or five turnovers last night, but shit's gonna happen. I mean, they're gonna just have to grow with them. Future's obviously really bright though down there. I think that And it's fun it, to, it, it is it like, is fun to watch. Moser like, it's offensively not plotting they get along. easy buckets. Yeah. You can tell that they are very, very well coached. And, and that's not a is, shot at Long Kruger. It's just different. As much as you know, the turnovers were an issue, uh, I think they, they showed last night they are a force defensively. Baylor had problems at times just scoring the ball. Yeah. 14, well, it was weird. I think. Both teams were shooting turnovers. 70% in the first half, and you're like, who's going to make a stop? But OU's defense in the second half was much better. And 14 steals. I mean, there was a lot of good from, from last night. No doubt about it. And scene. Josh, you can come back now. That was literally perfect because I had some notes I needed to get up on the board. Um, <laughs> and so I just had time to post while you guys talked about – was it basketball or was it baseball? I, I, I don't know. It, it's not football recruiting or football, so I don't know Baseball's coming. It. Baseball's coming. They start practice in a couple weeks. Great, great. Looking forward to it. No, you're not. I, Without I, Mario Williams. You can hear the disappointment in Eddie's voice, too. He's sick of you. I, I think everyone. your shit. <laughs> I, well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like there's going to be no Major League Baseball because they're psychotic and idiots. So there will be some college baseball. There's going to have to be some college baseball if you want some baseball in your life. Not to mention, you know, uh, the SEC's big boy baseball. They really get into it. So <laughs> oh, you fans no, are going to have to get their shit together. Yeah, they're going no to have to raise their level of fandom. Queen Patty will be they'll be getting underway here in about a month, I think. I mean, Arkansas fans will come and take over your stadium for the weekend if you don't get your shit together. Oh, they're I mean, they're gonna have to make some I I think we talked about this right when the SEC stuff was announced, but they're gonna have to do some stuff over at Eldell. Arkansas this bomb is a beautiful facility. The bomb stadium, I think, B A U B A U M. Uh, no, I, I know it's really, really, I mean, they host regionals almost every year there. It seems like. So. Sure. Yeah. A&M's incredible. Texas has a really good facility. It just, they're going to have to do some stuff. No doubt about it. Well, Patty's first. So they got the money for Patty first, which is well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. All right. Uh, guys, any last words before we get out of here? No, we're done. I don't think so i'm trying to rack my brain if there's anything like just real pressing i think we're getting ready to enter that period where everybody takes a deep breath and then they make that push into february with the signing day and that's going to be interesting obviously keep an eye on the portal and you know obviously nope. the big news with the quarterback situation but um it'd be nice know. if we get to talk to new coaches but i'm, I'm not sure if that's going to happen yeah bob and i that are anxiously and awaiting our opportunity to uh do season ending content, which it's impossible to do right now because we don't know who's on the team and who's not spring game. I mean, it's going to be right around the corner. <laughs> We've started to see some masters commercials, so it will be kind of like somebody was asking me about this the other day. Cause I saw like Nebraska has announced their spring game. Does Clemson do a big deal with their, like, I wonder how Venables will right. try. That'll to... be one of the questions we have to ask on signing. I love day the Friday like night that. idea. Yep. I love the Friday night deal. I thought that was a yeah a, a big success. I would love to see them do something. I don't know if you want to do like a blowout recruiting weekend that like that, but 
I love the idea of playing under the lights on Friday night. I thought I always thought that was really cool. Anything's better than just like a one o'clock on a Saturday. I don't. Mm-hmm. Know, I guess it's easier for people to get down on a Saturday. I get that. At some point, we it have just, to we have to erect the Baylor and Kyler statue, Baker and Kyler statues as well, though. Like that was supposed to happen during the COVID spring game. Now what? The, the the they were the gonna statue. have the Baker Heisman statue, uh, Heisman oh, statue yeah. unveiling yeah, yeah. that one year during the spring game, and then it all got shut down. Sure, sure. So we gotta at some point we gotta get back to that. We gotta get those damn statues out there. I know. I wonder how they'll do all that. Like, I mean, obviously TBOW is not gonna be invited back. I just <laughs> yeah, please do it. It's gonna before be weird. He can be invited back. That's my one wish. I don't know. There's probably some people that hope he does and that'll attack him. That weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Not like violently. Can you imagine like Lincoln like coming incognito, like dressing up, like put, wearing a fat suit or something? <laughs> like coming in as uh, Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't think that it's necessarily safe. No, not right now. No. No. Ooh. I wouldn't even say this spring it won't be. Nope. As insane as that is. It'll take some time. People, I mean, the best thing for Lincoln Riley's reputation in Norman is to suck at USC. Like, yeah, I just... (laughs) You have to be a really bad football program to suck in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. And I I mean, I, I know we talked about it on Monday, but it sounds like... That roster ain't great in Los Angeles. And that's why, like, just to round it all the way back to Caleb Williams, it's like, I just don't get it. If that's where you want to be, and if you want to play for Riley, I get it to a certain extent. I don't see how that prepares you for the next level, though. See, now I've all I've talked myself all the way back into him coming back. <laughs> See, that's what happens. <laughs> it's an hour later compared to when you first said it. Just, it. it doesn't make sense to me. Like, if, if you want to go to, uh, like, Notre Dame or Georgia, which Notre Dame, one of the wi- most wild stats out there, NFL quarterbacks from uh, Notre Dame have lost 24 consecutive starts. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, Georgia, like, I get, I don't understand it, but I get it. It just, like... You keep going down the list of teams and people ask me about it all day. And I just like it at some point, you just got to throw your hands up in there. And like, I I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. All right. Uh, Well, make sure you stay plugged in to Soonerscoop.com. We'll keep you updated on everything that's going on um, with transfers, uh, recruiting, Caleb Williams, uh, all that stuff. And uh, thanks everybody for, uh, also supporting Dead Soxy, one of our great sponsors. Go check out that special. Use that promo code BOOMER uh, for 20% off your order. Uh, and I want to say early next week at the latest, maybe this week, uh, the hats are in the process of being made. Several different kinds. And visors. Uh, Soonerscoopstore.com. Go check it out. Still got the Isaiah Thomas uh, NIL merch in there. Uh, and uh, soon to have uh, more scoop and unofficial 40 gear in there as well. So 
That'll that'll do it. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.